This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello and welcome to Savor, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about baguettes. Yes. It's a lot. Oh my it's goodness, it is. It's quite the topic to tackle. It, it it's it's a little intimidating because it is again one of those things that people have very strong opinions about. Yes. Oh gosh. That <laughs> uh, I had forgotten that I had given myself this assignment, um, and then had this moment of panic when I started <laughs> doing mm-hmm. the reading because I was like, "Oh no, what did I do?" <laughs> <laughs> Baguette panic is very very real. Very very real. Uh. And I'm going to start out saying something kind of controversial. I'm baguette neutral. Oh. You're fine. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I oh. know, right? I know. And we just had a, like, heated discussion about Star Wars. <laughs> I'm feeling a little spicy today. <laughs> no, I've had I've had some lovely, lovely baguettes and some out-of-this-world banh mi. I love a good oh, banh mi. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, and even, like, just a simple cheese plate or butter situation – but in general, I just don't seek them out. Um, oh, huh. It's kind of a... It's it's less to do with the taste and more like the mess that gets made a lot of times with the baguette. It's oh, a lot sure. of baguette. They, and it, it is a crumbly crust, and so mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna get some crumbs. It's all over the clothes, whole thing. <laughs> I do have a friend that loves them, and it's one of my favorite things about her is that she always brings them to cheese night and she's giving, oh, but without... Uh-huh. 
without fail, Lauren, she leaves most of it with me. <laughs> um, okay. So then I freeze it. And then the next time we have cheese night, she scolds me and throws it away and has a whole new one. And so the cycle, the cycle of baguette continues, but it's one of her biggest, she hates, she thinks I'm like a cheapskate or something. And that we are very friendly, loving way that I will never throw anything out. <laughs> so she'll be like, I have, I have no joke, three half frozen baguettes, baguettes in there. <laughs> She's going to be so mad next time she comes Oh over. my goodness. Oh my goodness. I, well, why, I mean, okay, you could defreeze them, defrost them, defreeze, goodness. Um, uh, mm-hmm. you, I mean, you could consume them. In between cheese I nights. Could. Uh, I sure could. <laughs> I have uh, no plans to. I'm confused as to why you don't. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I always have various bread products in my freezer and I eat them with uh, perhaps disturbing frequency. Um, I really, I really go through them. Mm-hmm. But goodness, I, I, I love a baguette. I mean, I, you know, it, it's, it's one of the things that makes me feel the most like adult and fancy is, ah. is when I'm putting together some kind of um, snacking situation and uh, and I find a bakery that has a basket of these big lovely loaves um, mm-hmm. and I'm like oh yeah am I gonna eat a whole loaf of bread today <laughs> yes I am <laughs> I'm so happy for for you when you get to have that moment. I oh. I understand. It's it's lovely. Yeah. So exciting. It, yeah, it, it has a it's got an emotional component to it, I think. Um and, and when I was in France, I did see baguettes ever everywhere. One of the first pictures I took, I did the most stereotypical tourist thing where I got <laughs> a baguette and I got some cheese and I got some wine and I had a picnic in front of the Eiffel Tower and I took a picture. <laughs> yeah, it was very, very nice. Uh, it was pretty common breakfast uh, lunch item, maybe half with some mustard and cut meats, like really simple often. Sure, yeah. Yeah, and it was it was pretty nice. I remember getting on, like, on the train and you could just never, it would you didn't have to worry there would be a baguette. Somewhere that you could take. Uh, oh, for that's your day wonderful! Trip. Mm-hmm. Oh goodness, yeah. I uh, other right other than putting together like snack plate kind of situations at home. I, I guess my other and all the bond me every bond me mm-hmm. every day all the time bond me. Um, but uh, but other than that, gosh, um, when the one time that I got over to England for a week or so, um, I was staying in Reading, and there was this little sandwich shop around the corner. Um, that had this this very like Seinfeld like soup Nazi kind of vibe. It was like a very particular way of ordering, and like it was uh, and, and they baked all their bread in house, and it was very simple sandwiches. And I think I just got one that was like like smoked salmon and cream cheese and like a little bit of herb, mm-hmm. and that was it. But the mm-hmm. baguette was incredible, and. Mm. And the salmon was incredible. And yeah. I was just bowled over by like everything, you know. It was like you were my fr- transported. <laughs> yeah. It was my it was also like my first time out of the country, really. And so I yeah. was I was just like like bright-eyed about everything on the planet, which was very much not the vibe. I think I really upset a number of Englishmen by just smiling <laughs> at them on the street. Apparently, that's not what you do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, screw them, Lauren. 
Um, <laughs> and I guess that's an important thing to note, and we are going to talk about that later. Um, there are plenty of not-so-great baguettes that are uh, kind of muddying the water. Like, I think, you know, the ones my friend brings, and there's no shade to that either, necessarily, oh, yeah. uh, aren't, you know, the best quality of baguette. <laughs> yes. There's a part of what people are passionate about is um, how this product is made. Oh, yes, they are. Uh, so <laughs> I guess we should get to our question. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, here we go. Baguettes. What are they? Well, um, a baguette is a type of yeast-raised bread traditionally baked uh, fairly quickly in long, skinny loaves without any added fat. You're, you're just using flour, water, salt, and yeast to create this, um, this simple but kind of elegant loaf that has a, that has a relatively thick, uh, crisp crust surrounding this light but chewy crumb. It's a really beautiful contrast of textures when you get it right, but it's so straightforward that you're like really highlighting the flavors of the 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 yeast and everything that's happening to the flour during the baking. They're like a they're like if modernist minimalism was a bread. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that one. Okay. <laughs> I like that. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, finished baguettes are usually um, two to three inches wide. Uh, that's around five to eight centimeters and about 24 to 28 inches long, like 60 to 70 centimeters. Thereabouts, somewhere in there. Um, they are, yeah, excellent on their own, um, sliced or perhaps torn into more manageable pieces. So you're not just gnawing on like a two foot long bread loaf. Um, but they're uh, also often cut lengthwise and uh, spread with simple stuff like like butter or uh, right made into sandwiches with anything from, yeah, like a, like a little bit of sliced meat and a spread of some kind of condiment to multi-layered amalgamations of proteins and spreads and garnishes. Either. <laughs> Either is good. Yes. Uh, baguettes are meant to be eaten very fresh, like really as soon as they're cool from the oven. Um, as the crust will start going uh, soft and stale after that, um, which I think is from moisture escaping from the inside of the loaf. Um, and then the whole loaf will, after that, pretty quickly dry out because it doesn't have um, any ingredients to hold moisture in. And as usual with a product that is so um, so simple, in heavy scare quotes, um, some really precise and complex science goes into making them correctly. Um, okay, so let's let's do a really quick rundown of what goes into making yeast breads. Yeah. Okay. Very basically, uh, if you're starting with dry yeast, which are friendly microbes that have been put into a kind of stasis, uh, you might need to activate the yeast or, or wake those microbes up with warm water. You then uh, mix and knead your ingredients into an elastic kind of dough and uh, let it proof, which means that you're letting that yeast go to work eating sugars in the flour and uh, pooping carbon dioxide and flavor. Yeast poop. Um, <laughs> the carbon dioxide will cause the dough to rise. Um, you then deflate 
the dough a little bit, punch it down and shape it into your loaf, then let it proof a second time, during which it will attain more or less its final shape. Um, finally, you score the top of the loaf, which means that you um, you create cuts meant to let steam escape in a controlled manner during the baking so that the surface doesn't um, bubble or crack or poof up unevenly, yeah? Um, then, uh, yeah, you bake it until the elastic structures in the dough firm up and the crust dries out. And the Maillard reaction, in which sugars and proteins together are affected by heat, uh, the Maillard reaction causes the crust to uh, to brown and gain flavor. All right, those are the basics. Um, in terms of baguettes, your your ratio of ingredients, well, I mean, in terms of any bread, but in certainly with baguettes, um, your, your ratio of ingredients and your types of ingredients are really going to matter. Um, like you typically want a higher protein, a harder type of wheat flour that will uh, create really stable gluten structures during baking and thus help create that um, that firm crust and that uh, uh, chewy crumb. Uh, the amount of kneading that you do with the dough also matters here. Um, the humidity in your kitchen and your oven matter. Uh, like, remember, you are dealing with four ingredients here. Water is one of them. Um, so, like, the first couple minutes the baguettes are baking, they're usually steamed. Um, and this this keeps the, the crust elastic as the moisture in the loaf begins to turn into steam um, and, and expands, letting the loaf appropriately rise. Um, but you don't want to steam them the whole time because that wouldn't allow a crisp to occur on the crust. It would make the crust kind of rubbery. Not what you okay. want. No, mm -mm. no. <laughs> of course, all of this is assuming a, like, baking by hand process in a small kitchen environment. Um, baguettes are made industrially. And in those industrial applications, um, other ingredients might be added to help mimic the, the flavor and the texture of handmade baguette. <laughs> We're both just nodding at each other very seriously, <laughs> which I think is really playing on, 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 yes. on audio. <laughs> I think so. I hope it captures our nervousness around this very serious topic. Oh, goodness. Um, uh, scientifically speaking, um, <laughs> I wasn't sure if, if I should put this note here in the timeline, but I chose to put it here. Um, the baguette might be actually an ideal texture for a flavorful bread eating experience. Um, and this is according to or like this is in line with some some research that was uh, published in the Journal of Agricultural and Food Chemistry in 2017, which found that uh, the the crust sort of sort of helps lock in some of these um, aroma and flavor molecules. And because you have to chew a proper baguette like kind of a lot. Um, you wind up releasing more of those molecules into your nose and mouth as you eat than you might with um, softer types of bread. Hmm. <laughs> oh, I love this food research. Yes. Uh. <laughs> yes. Love it. So good. So, so good. So wonderful. <laughs> well, what about the nutrition? Uh, 
could be worse. Could be worse. Uh, low low in fat and sugar, high in carbs, um, usually a decent amount of protein in there from the flour. Uh, baguettes will help fill you up, but to keep you going, uh, pair with a little bit of fat for sure, a little bit more protein probably, and, you know, eat a vegetable. Always eat a vegetable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a few numbers for you. A couple, yeah. Bakers in France sell about 6 million baguettes a day. Ooh. A day. <laughs> However, with the introduction of industrial-made baguettes around the 1950s, the number of French bakeries has dropped by 30,000. Uh, Europe One reported recently that 1,200 small French bakeries close a day. Oh, my goodness. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Um, according to the Observatoire du Pain, are the bread observatories something else that delighted me to discover it exists? Hmm. Uh, the French people as a whole consume about 320 baguettes every second. Wow. That comes out, I know, that comes out to be half a baguette per person per day and about 10 billion every year. <sighs> that so, sounds so delicious. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's a lot of baguettes, and obviously it is. Important to France. Uh, these are very French-specific numbers, even though they do. Baguettes obviously exist and are important in other places. But French. But the but, French. Yes. Um, and in, in fact, uh, one, one more number for you. Um, there's a world record for the longest baguette ever made. Okay. It comes from Italy. <gasps> I know. Oh, <laughs> so much controversy and scandal already. Right, right. Um, it was uh, achieved in 2019, and it measured 132.62 meters in length. That is about 435 feet, one inch. No. <laughs> My brain does not accept this fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I honestly don't know what that means. Like, that's, that's quite long. It's bonkers. Bonkers is the scientific term for it, yes. <laughs> it is. I believe so. Uh, well, we've got quite a long history on this one for you as well. We do. Um, and we're going to get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsors. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Oh, goodness. So, bread in some oh. form. <laughs> this is not an episode about the history of bread. No. No, please no. Uh, <laughs> it's been around a good long while, I can tell you that. Um, and we have mentioned it in, you know, kind of very briefly in passing in several episodes about how it has evolved from ingredients that were that created something pretty hard and dense to something fluffier and yeastier. Um, with all kinds of ingredients and methods in the mix to make it. And bread has always been important to French culture. Mm -hmm. And in several instances, it was even a signifier of status. At the same time, bread was a staple to the impoverished, sustaining them even through lean times. And any interruption in that was not well received. No. No. Um, in fact, riots over bread and grains and the suspected hoarding and price gouging of them helped lead to the French Revolution. Yeah. Um, uh, part of all of this is that what's now central France happens to be a really great region for growing wheat. And so wheat products like bread really became a staple in surrounding areas. 
Yes. And I went down a rabbit hole of French bread laws over the centuries, and I I can't. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> okay. Not today. Not today, bread laws. <laughs> no. All right. Goodness me. Uh, no spoilers, but if you haven't seen the Scream movie, I really enjoyed it. And there's a line where somebody the somebody says to the killer, not today. And the killer says, yesterday. <laughs> and I can't stop thinking about that every time I hear that line anymore. <sighs> anyway. <Okay>. Um, <laughs> the baguette as a murder weapon. Ooh. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. The baguette specifically <laughs> does have mysterious origins and many legends surrounding it. But mm-hmm. many agree... It was probably invented as an item of convenience during the Napoleonic era, perhaps the innovation of French bakers who wanted a product soldiers could carry in their pockets, um, or as some stories go, down their pant legs. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We're on that in a second. Backpack space was a precious commodity, so they just stick the long bread loaves down their trousers, but... Okay, Uh, some sources attribute this idea to Napoleon himself and not the bakers. In 1815, one record suggests a Napoleonic soldier in Italy said, What can you expect from so stupid a nation that eats its bread in a stick? (laughs) (laughs) What? I know. Dang. However, many other people rightfully point out that this whole thing probably isn't true, because can you imagine doing soldier stuff with a hard loaf of bread down your pants leg? (laughs) I a, a no um uh mm. or I mean I can but it's pretty comical uh and the crumbs would be everywhere and so itchy I know <sighs> um but I can see how it would be like easily attached to yeah. the outside of your backpack or whatever you're carrying so right that makes much more sense to me. I mean, uh. <laughs> and there's even like a little bit of like potential for physical comedy. Like if you're if you're like turning around quickly and like you mm-hmm. slap your friend in the face with. Ooh, I like how you immediately went to slapstick comedy in this yeah. Napoleonic era baguette story. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I this is where. <laughs> yeah. All right. We were just talking about Star Wars. There's a lot of. That's true. There's uh, my mind is just racing with all these things. I got screen. I got Star Wars. I got baguettes. There's a lot going on up here. You know, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, where's the Star Wars lightsaber parody with baguettes? I'm sure it exists already. Uh, <laughs> so. Another much passed around, but almost certainly untrue story, claims that baguettes were created in response to fights that broke out when laborers started working on the Paris Metro in 1898. Officials, yeah, so in this story, officials requested a bread that could be torn, not cut, so that they could forbid knives on the work site. Oh, all right. Right? Huh. Well, again, baguettes as a weapon. Uh, and here's another story. In the 1920s, an Austrian officer introduced the steam oven in France, along with pan vinois and the croissant. Don't at me. I'm just saying what the huh. legend is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. some do say pan vinois is the ancestor of the baguette. Uh, the steam oven allowed for lighter, airier loaves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as as discussed before, um, the the steaming really helps out. Um, I will say that techniques for steaming breads during at least part of their baking process go back to, like, at least ancient Greece. 
However, um, the the modern steam injection oven was developed like over the first few decades of the 1900s. Um, and and the techniques and technologies for working with this were being developed by multiple peoples around Europe working with breads. So, yeah. That yeah. gesture of like backing away. Yep, yep. I've got my hands up. I didn't... Right. <laughs> I... <laughs> I wasn't there. I, I cannot argue. I don't have. We don't have our saver time machine up and running yet. Not yet. I don't have a loaf in this race. So. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also in 1920, a French law was passed that prohibited bakers from working between 10 p.m. and 4 a.m. Huh. Yeah. Uh, because of this, the more traditional larger loaf baked uh, in time for breakfast kind of went out the window so the thinner longer baguette was a solution to that again like every story lauren and i are mentioning has a lot more to it and we could go into all that stuff but otherwise yeah yeah streamlining um and i will say that that baguette uh cooking like 20 30 minutes tops so i mean Mm -hmm. the process for for creating the loaves beforehand takes a little bit of time but but yeah like if you're just trying to get loaves of bread out the door in the morning then it's a relatively quick baking process so there's there's right. a little bit there's a little bit of scientific weight in there somewhere at any rate yes yes and also some people think that this might have been in part due to the size of french bread loaves getting out of hand oh. <laughs> at the time okay Yes, some written observations from French and American visitors from the 19th century indicate that they were shocked by how large these loaves could be. Here are a few example quotes that I loved. Loaves of bread six feet long that look like crowbars. (laughs) Another one. The long sticks of bread a yard or two in length made an odd impression on me. (laughs) It is funny to see the street boys belaboring each other with the long sticks of bread they are taking home. And... The loaves of bread here are rolls three or four feet long, and frequently one of these is laid across or rather along, for it is oftentimes longer than the table is wide. The table for you to hack at. <laughs> wow. I know. Wow. These kinds of descriptions go, go on until at least 1903 when an American wrote, The bread now called French is in very long loaves of one thickness from end to end. At some Paris restaurants, the bakers leave loaves daily that are from one to two yards long. That's that's a lot of bread. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Using the word baguette to refer to this type of bread of what we think of as the baguette today seems to have first started in the 1920s. Uh, Also, historians use the baguette to trace the footprint of the French Empire Mm -hmm. um, all around the world including the fact that it is integral to the Vietnamese dish, uh, the banh mi, as we've discussed in that episode. You can go listen to that one for Mm -hmm. more information. Uh, Wherever the French went, baguettes went with them. Whether or not they stuck was based on available ingredients and tastes in that area. That's a whole different story. Uh, Morocco, Algeria, and Tunisia are other examples of where baguettes are eaten in large quantities where the French had this presence. Yeah. As mentioned at the top, beginning in the 1950s, the quality of the baguette at large suffered when bakers were striving to find ways to make baguettes more quickly, including turning to frozen pre-made dough and using molds instead of free-form baking. These baguettes were pale and often instantly stale when cooled, but they became the standard at French bakeries by the 1990s. 
All of this led to France passing the Bread Decree in 1993, which dictated that the traditional baguette must be handmade, sold in the same place it's baked, and only contain water, yeast, salt, and wheat flour. These days, traditional baguettes account for about half of baguette sales in big French cities. Huh. The bread decree. I love <laughs> the it. bread decree. It sounds so intense. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of intense, since 1994, the city of Paris has hosted an annual Le Grand Prix de la Baguette each April, inviting a jury of 14 experts um, and some lucky volunteers. Actually, it might be more mixed than that. Some lucky volunteers and some experts. Okay. Um, yes, to determine the best baguette in the city. Oh. Mm-hmm. 200 bakers enter, and they enter two of their best baguettes. To proceed to the judging, they have to meet very specific parameters. About half of them are disqualified at this first step. Wow. I know. The baguettes are judged in five areas. Baking, appearance, smell, taste, and crumb. Hmm. What a gig. What a gig. Wow. I did like one of the judges was like, it's so much baguette to eat. <laughs> Me laugh. <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> the winner gets to supply the president of France with their bread. French President Emmanuel Macron pushed for the baguette to be named in UNESCO Intangible Cultural Heritage Status in 2018, saying, quote, the baguette is the envy of the whole world. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And then in 2021, the French Bakers Association petitioned the UN to add the baguette to their list of cultural heritage products. So, a lot of love and pride around the baguette. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. I've got such a craving now. (laughs) Well, I got three half-eaten frozen baguettes right over here, Lord. (laughs) No. Oh, goodness. I'm going to have to go to a local bakery. What what a terrible thing. What a horrible thing to have happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Well, it's a tough life. It is. (laughs) It's hard being a podcaster. (laughs) Food podcaster, indeed. Well... That's what we have to say about the baguette for now. It is. Um, We do have some listener mail for you, though, and we're going to get into that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. And we're back, thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Snowmail! <laughs> okay, so I just remembered... I oh, once went to a, ho- a Halloween party, and there was a group of people dressed as the Three Musketeers, and they had baguettes, oh. and they were just going around getting in baguette, baguette fights. fights. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I have seen something like that, it turns out. <laughs> well, that is delightful. I am glad that you witnessed that and that you have remembered it and shared mm-hmm. it with us. I am glad. Glad for all of those things as well. <laughs> Uh, Jane wrote, I just finished listening to your toothpick episode and had to send you pictures of this family heirloom toothpick match dispenser. Ah. It's a cast iron contraption consisting of a base with a hinged woodpecker mounted on it. The woodpecker has a sharp spike on the end of the beak that is supposed to spear the toothpick when you push its head down into the toothpick reservoir in the base. Thing is, it's really crap at the job. <laughs> Round toothpicks scoot out of the way of the spear and flat ones split. 
Maybe when it was new, toothpicks were more substantial? I don't know. I've never tried it with matches. Anyway, even though it's too frustrating to use as intended, I'm fond of it and it makes a good paperweight. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. And right. And we didn't even mention dispensers for toothpicks in that episode I because didn't. they are frequently the most frustrating little things. They are. They are. So I, as I mentioned in that episode, I have for Dungeons and Dragons, I bought some. Mm-hmm. And that's like a, you know, up-to-date modern toothpick dispenser, I would imagine. I still can hardly get it to work. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're sitting there for like six minutes, like trying to shake a single toothpick out of this thing. Mm-hmm. It seems like it shouldn't be so complicated, physically speaking. But they like become like a non-Newtonian fluid in there, and they all lock up in strange ways. And like, I don't know. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but... Uh, Jane did send us pictures of this device, this heirloom, and it looks really, really cool. And I, I just love the idea that it was supposed to spear, like this beak yeah. was supposed to spear <laughs> the Very toothpick. Violent. Already yeah. like splintering it and breaking right. it as you take it out. As off. you take it out? Cool. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, Valerie wrote... Oh, my goodness. Annie wished for a Star Wars cake colored with spinach. I made one years ago for my son's birthday. Uh, She sent a picture. The only colorings are spinach and cocoa powder. Related to that, uh, here's homemade pasta that I made in an electric pasta machine colored only with beets. It's gluten-free, too. It gets paler when it's cooked but still looks pink. Um, Also, here's homemade penne that I made in the pasta machine. Uh, The green ones were cooked with pureed kale. Fun! I love this. I love that I was like mentioned in passing. Well, I've got yeah. to use this spinach frosting thing for a Star Wars cake, obviously. Yeah. And then immediately. <laughs> oh, yes. I got you. <laughs> you beautiful humans answered the call and we're like, this yes. is what it looks like. Yes. You are yes. welcome. And it did look amazing. It was like a lightsaber yes. situation. Oh. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so wonderful. That's, we'll add that to our weird Star Wars saver thing we're gonna do yeah uh, <laughs> yes and also the the pastas look delicious and the beet one was shaped like hearts and that's oh, really cute yes. yeah yeah <laughs> yes so thank you to both of those listeners for writing if you would like to write to us you can our email is hello at saverpod.com we're also on social media you can find us on twitter facebook and instagram at saverpod and we do hope to hear from you Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. 